Buckle up, buckaroo. Grab onto your hats and glasses, folks. We're about to get into the Linux user space. Uh, too much? Okay. Well, let's uh, let's try it again. All we need is just to start. That's where I can blame Joe. <laughs> blame We're Joe. We're going to do that anyway. <laughs> We're going to blame, blame Joe anyway. Blame Joe. Blame Joe. Coming up in episode one of Linux User Space, we're gonna cover a mini spotlight for all of the hosts. We're gonna talk about Pop! OS. We're gonna report on end of life support for 1910. And we're gonna end with some Linux hardware. Welcome to the Linux User Space. And welcome to the Linux user space. I'm Rocco. I'm Joe. I'm Leo. And I'm Dan. And there is absolutely no pressure on this first episode, is there? <laughs> no, no pressure. No <laughs> pressure at all. None. So we came up with a great title uh, for this episode, which is I Blame Joe. And that's, that's pretty much been our motto since we started. I blame Joe, too. Okay. Everything that has gone wrong, it's definitely been Joe's fault. It's definitely been Joe. <sighs> so we're just going to tell a story on how this podcast started. Joe messaged me on Telegram and basically asked, you know, if I wanted to talk about a podcast. And I messaged back and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm busy, but, you know, we can talk about it sometime. And Joe, you had some weird reaction to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, typically, if you ask somebody, hey, I've got this idea. I'm so <laughs> excited about it. What do you think? And they're like, I'm busy. Get away. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I didn't cry long, but I, I mean, there was definitely some, some tears that uh, I had to dampen. But then you responded back and you were like, I mean, I'm short on time right now. And I was like, oh, that's so much better yep. than the other thing. So, um, yeah. I uh, just kind of laid it out for you. Um, one of the uh, the things that I was really missing was Choose Linux and a uh, podcast that kind of focused on the desktop and, and things like that. And uh, you echoed those same sentiments. You thought, oh, yeah, I missed that one too. So that was it. It was one of those, uh, I was literally driving down the road to Walmart to go shopping for my parents and I had an idea. And when I stopped, I started firing it off in, in, in the Telegram. Well, when you mentioned this to me and you mentioned Choose Linux, I was completely on board because that was one of my favorite podcasts because it concentrated on the desktop. And I was like, yeah, there is no other podcast out there that specifically focuses on just the desktop. And it was born. And then we decided that uh, we needed some help. And we called upon Dan. And Dan, what did you think when we first asked you? Well, after I got my arm untangled from behind me, um, <laughs> I was really on board with that. I thought it was a great idea. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I love that podcast, too. And I like exploring uh, different desktops and different Linux distributions. So, yeah, I, it didn't take a lot of convincing, but yeah, you won me over. 
So we get Dan involved and we're all talking about it. And, you know, we, we could do the podcast with three guys. So it's not a problem, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, if we had four, is that an option? If we had four, that'd be great. Right. And I know the perfect guy that could join us for that fourth. And Leo, you were that guy. So th- this was uh, kind of a shock, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm cooking dinner, I think it was. Uh, and then I get this email, hey, you got a minute for a Zoom session? And I'm like, mm, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, and I'm like, this, this is either really, really good or you're kicking me off Biddle forever. One of the two. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. We're going to talk about Biddle in a few, if you just hang out for a little bit, Leo. <laughs> yeah. So I, I come in and I'm like, oh, these, these guys are all from Biddle. This is this is a Biddle thing. It's an intervention. I don't know what this is. So and then and then you guys come out with the uh, hey. So do you want to join the show? And I'm like a show, okay. So and, and this is what I do. You 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 gave me this story. You described what what this was all about. And I mean this this is right up my alley. I love the Linux desktop. This is where I'm at ninety percent of the time. When when I have to reboot to something else, I have I you know I do that. But you know I love being on the desktop. And this is a podcast about the desktop. So yeah, I was all in. You, you told me that and I'm 100% on board with this. Well, we decided not to take Joe Resington's advice and create another podcast <laughs> and we did, but I think that we need to find out a little information about each one of you guys and your history and who you are because there's going to be people that don't know you. So Joe, let's start with you. Where did you start in Linux and when was that? Linux... um it was an interesting start for me. Um, I had got a, a call from my brother. I was uh, struggling. My dad was uh, struggling with his PC. And uh, he said, you know, you should, I heard about this Linux thing. This is about 2005, 2006. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it's called Ubuntu. And I'm like, what? It's called what? And I, I don't know how many times I asked him to say it. But he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like this free open source software. You should check it out, man. I, I heard great things. I go, are you running? He's like, oh no, 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 I'm not running it. But you should check it out. So uh, so I did uh, I did download it. I uh, checked it out, loaded it on my uh, dad's computer. Told my dad, read up on it a little bit. I said everything's going to be good, dad. I'm going to set it up to where you can uh, do Windows side by side with it, so it'll be fine. He goes, okay, good. So I uh, loaded it up, booted into it. He goes, I hate it. And I go, oh, well, that's, you know, no problem. We're going to go back to Windows. So reboot, gone. Just no, no wow. Windows at all. I had, I had wiped the whole, the whole disk. Um, so that was my first entrance into the Linux user space, I should say. And um, from then on, I was really intrigued by Linux. I thought, man, there's all these people, you know, trying to wrap your head around kind of how Linux works at first. It takes a while because I just came from... Windows and and Mac. I did a lot of work in the um, education industry with uh, as far as uh, the technology. So we installed data infrastructure and and data networking, and then we did a lot of audio video distribution things like that. So you're in a school district, you're working on Windows, and then every now and then you get annoyed because you come across somebody's G3 Mac and you just can't figure out how to do anything, and there's no right mouse button, and it was just anyways. So um, Anyways, I kept, just kept tabs on it and I just would follow it around every now and then I go, hey, you see a news article, check it out, install, install. And then finally, um, took probably another 
eight, nine years before I actually said, okay, I'm going to get into Linux. I'm going to run this as a daily driver. I'm going to not buy another Windows PC. I'm going to, I'm going to do it this way. And, and since then, I just, the, the variety of Linux, especially the Linux desktop, it just sucked me in. The fact that I could go, ah, you don't like GNOME? All right, cool. I'm going to go to KDE. Ah, you don't like this? I'm going to go to Mate. Ah, you don't like that? I'm going to, you know, LXQT, whatever it was. I, I tried out every single one that I could get my hands on. And that was doing pretty well with, uh, I think I had a two, me two meg DSL connection at the time. So the ISOs took a bit to download, but uh, yeah, that was my journey in and I've just never looked back and just love it. Well, you mentioned that you were on Windows and you just decided you were going to try, or you were just going to jump right into Ubuntu. Was there a tipping point in Windows? Yeah. Yeah, there was. Uh, so Windows 8 drove me insane. I just couldn't, the, what did they call it? Metro? I, I forget what it was. Metro. Yeah. I, I just, it just blew my mind that it was this frustrating to work with and they rolled it and just like here you go here's windows and um you know seven I, I had seven i mean they they had their missteps along the way you know i'm reminded of me and uh you know uh, a few of the others but xp and seven were you know i don't know they were pretty solid and you had your issues but who doesn't and and all that but yeah eight eight drove me to mac i'll say and then when i got on the mac I thought this is just way too limiting. Let me get let me let me really give uh, Linux an honest hard look and that's when I you know that that was kind of my tipping point. Win Windows 8, Microsoft you drove me to Linux. I never got it. I never got the Windows 8 hate. I mean it, it was still Windows, but I think maybe it was just the fact that I had the the like the super key figured out by Windows 7 or so. Yeah. It didn't bother me because you could just smack the super key and type what you wanted. So I don't know. I, I never got the Windows 8 thing. If I went back to it now, I think it'd be better. But at the time, it was too jarring. Yeah, and I brought those same skills over to Linux, man. Everything, you can still super key and search. So I actually never really had to learn a whole new paradigm except for this GNOME thing. Well, you mentioned jarring, and I think that's exactly it. There was a lot of people that it just was so different from Windows 7 that it, there was just, you know, people are resistant to change the way it is. Yeah, and, and it was really weird because I like new things. I embraced it, actually. I did. I tried. I, I, I was like, yep, yeah, hey, you know what's good for me, Microsoft. Give it to me. So, I, I mean, I installed it. I embraced it, but it, I just kept hitting just wall after wall, and, and then... I manage our systems at our office and, and everybody was just, it was the bane of my existence. I, my phone just, Oh, this, I don't, where's my start button. I can't click on it. How do I get out of this menu? I can't escape the menu. It was just a lot of things and it was jarring for a lot of people and it just created a lot of work for me. Speaking of Windows Me, you go you go back to that whole paradigm with the just drag all the icons to the desktop and don't even right. let them call you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just double click on this. It's right here. Yeah, and then the desktop's all filled up. Yeah. So fast forward to today. Um, what distro did you finally land on for your main machine? So I, um, I will say early on, I uh, jumped into all of the ones that they say to try. Mint, I was on Mint early. Mate, Ubuntu Mate. But I was listening to Chris Fisher a few years back. 
and he talked about Pop! OS System 76. And I thought, you know what? Let me just check this out. And ever since, was it 1710, I think was when Pop! OS, you know, at the time it was probably more theming than anything, but it just something sucked me into it, which is interesting because GNOME, GNOME, the way GNOME works in the menu system is, I mean, you think of Windows 8 and how it was uh -huh. just, you know, I, I, I'm a super key type, get what I need now, but back then I just wasn't. But Pop! OS just sucked me in. And I have consistently for the last close to three years now tried every new release of every distro. If it's out there, if you could see the boot partitions on my devices, you'd cry. I've tried them all and I always come back to pop. I just love how it feels. It feels like home to me. It feels very natural. It's the only distro I put on. I never touch the theming. I love the theme. It just, it's got a, just a good feel to it. And I, I you know, sort of just short, short of being able to say, I just love it. It's that it just feels right. Every time I load it up. All right, Leo, been listening to you for a little while. You do some work out there. I sure do. What got you into Linux, Leo? Ooh, so back in, uh, I guess it was probably around 2002, I had an instructor or a, a teacher at my high school that had conscripted me to do some Windows work for him, reinstalling Windows 98 SE. And he knew, he knew my knack. He knew if, if he said the word computer, I was there. So yeah, he said the word computer and I was there. Um, so that, that was most of it. And I, I think he had this idea the entire time, but eventually he got to the point where, you know, he did one of those, he did one of those, hey, hey, come, come here. Let, let me, let me show you this. Come here, right here. And he handed me a disc. It was burned and scrawled across. It was Slackware. I didn't know what that was. But he told me, uh, so there's this thing, Linux. And he kind of gave me some background on it and asked if I wanted to mess with it. And I was like, yeah, of course, it's a computer. Like, yeah, I, I'm just going to mess with it. Yeah, of course. So... He just, he gave me the disc, sat me down, told me, kind of gave me a little bit of background on what I was supposed to be doing, and I, I went into it. So from that moment, Linux beat me. It took me something like two or three days with his help to figure out how to get this thing into an actual desktop. I don't remember if it was uh, KDE 2 or KDE 3, but it was one of the earlier ones. And once I got it, that, that sense of, and Joe, you're an IT, so you know this feeling when you finally beat it, whatever mm -hmm. that issue is, is just gravy. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting you use that mechanic analogy because it is, my dad's a mechanic, my older brother's mechanic, and it is such a satisfying feeling when you've worked on something, you've built it, put it together, and you're just, you're there using it and you're like, ah, I did this. I've been working on this. Turning the key in that car. And that mm -hmm. engine runs for more than four seconds, right? Exactly. I mean, it's just like hitting that boot key and it actually finally boots to the OS you want it to. You know, there, there's obvious differences between the two things, but the sense of accomplishment, I think, is very similar between the two. It's amazing. So, um, Leo, we know you from various other uh, projects that you work on. In fact, uh, I, I know I messaged Rocco the first time I actually saw you. And I go, if there was ever someone who doesn't look like they sound. It's Leo. Oh my goodness. I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not the Leo Chavez that I see in front of me today. And so uh, I had heard you on, on Mintcast uh, for a while. So uh, what got you into podcasting in general? What was your foray into that? 
it, it was an accident. I didn't, I never, ever expected Rob to ever email me back. I, I figured, because uh, he, he was getting tired of it, right? I mean, he had been doing it for probably close to 10 years, if not more. And he was finally just tired of it. And I heard Joe Ressington on some Linux podcast say something to the effect of, hey, the Mintcast um, is looking for new hosts. And I'm like, yeah, I could probably do that. I talk for a living. You know, I, I teach classes. I talk to these people all day long. What, what's, what's two more hours? How hard could it be? I know. Yeah. Little did I know. There's a lot of work that goes into that. And I didn't appreciate that then. I do now. But so I, I just sent an email. I was like, hey, Rob, uh, I'm interested in doing this thing that you say you don't want to do anymore. Um, you know, consider me. Uh, yeah, I, I had said, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher. I talk all the time, you know, so it, it, I feel like it's a natural fit. You know, the whole resume thing, right, where, where you're in the interview and you're like, oh, oh you I got pedigree. You. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I, I just never expected an email back. I, I think it was less than a day. He said, hey, we're having a meeting on Saturday. Why don't you come in? Um, there are a couple other people that, that wanted to be on the show. Brought in, uh, it was it was Rob, it was Isaac who was still on the show, and then it was, turned out to be like five other people. Um, the very first thing he said to all of us was, I did not expect this many people to show up. I, I expected one, and then maybe another down the road or something like that, but I, I did not expect this. So anyway, and, and then the second thing that he told us was, you folks, all of you, are not all going to be here at the end of this. Like, in a couple of months, you'll all drop off. You know how many dropped off? One. There is seven of us on that show right now. Uh, just, we don't, we're not always on the same shows, but there, there's a, a roster of seven. And so, just one of those things that I, I just couldn't believe it. And then it turns out that, yeah, now we're just a big, huge band of Linux geeks that like to come <laughs> together and talk about random Linux stuff all the time. And specifically Linux Mint, obviously, because it's Mintcast, but... Some weeks, nothing happens in the Mint world, so we just get to talk about whatever. And then uh, Tony, Tony Hughes, said, hey, there's this, there's this thing that a guy named Rocco does called Biddle. Why don't you come on? And I'm like, eh. I mean, th this was, it, it took him probably three or four asks for me to, to just to go ahead and do it. And I was like, all right, fine. I got a free Saturday. Why not? So I jumped on. And I, I think that very first episode I was fairly quiet maybe not probably not honestly me no but uh, th there was one episode where i didn't say much it may so not have been that common. first one and then the after uh the like after the camera stops rolling and it's just you know banter at the end just it sucked me in i was like ah this is a really good place to be so i try to be there as much as i can and that has obviously rolled into now this so yeah I appreciate you guys asking. It was a it was a shock, and I'm glad to be here now. So Dan, now here's the deal: you were number three in the ask for coming onto the show. So, and it turns out you're number three right now. So you got to tell me because I actually really do not know where where did this Linux thing start? Where where did you come from? All right, so I've been in into computers and computing and technology for a very long time. Probably started uh, messing with computers in the early 80s. I don't know, I was probably in middle school, maybe high school, not sure, doing computer shopping at some store somewhere. I see this Red Hat box, you know, glaring me in the eye on the shelf. And I'm like, what is this thing, you know? Because 
I was always into the alternative. Whatever is different, I want to try it. I want to see what I can do. I want to see how I can customize it. I want to see, I want to see what's out there. So I pull the box, bring it home, brush it on, and uh, yeah, it was it was rough. It, th- those early days back in the you know mid nineties, they they were tough. But you know, it came with a book, came with a CD. I learned some stuff and. Back then, it was all dial-up. It wasn't, you know, you weren't constantly connected to the internet. So anytime you had to go look something up, you were like, hurry up, you know, got to get gotta get up my research in order so I can, you know, figure out what I need and want to do. And, and at one point, I did end up, you know, compiling my own kernel because the PC that I put it on, it didn't have any audio support for whatever reason. It wasn't in, you know, it wasn't compiled into the kernel. So I found out how to how to do that. And I got my audio working and I got everything working and, you know, I even, even learned some stuff there, but I did put it down for a little while because application support wasn't there. I could do basic stuff, but there was other applications I was needing for school and stuff like that. So I I wasn't able to do that. So I put it down for a little while, went back to windows, whatever, but then I really went to it full time probably around 2010, somewhere around there. And I I had tried various different things throughout the years and nothing permanent though. But 2010, I got a machine here at home and I, I didn't have any, it didn't have a hard drive. So I put a new hard drive in it and I was like, I don't have a windows license. What am I going to do? I'll I'll throw Linux on it. So I did. And it just stuck. It just is stuck with me. And I was able, I found I was able to do more things than I was before. So I was super happy about that. And I was able to get by. All the basics were there. So that's how I started. So where did you end up landing? You're, you're on a distro, right? You, you've got to be on one every single day and it boots up to the same thing. So what, what does it boot up to? It does. It boots up to Lubuntu. All right. So in... Wait, wait, wait. I thought you said you loved the idea of choice. I do love the idea of choice. Oh, there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Every choice but customization, right? Yeah. No, no, no. It's great. I, there, <laughs> there is enough. So I like it simple. I, I that I'm, I'm a simple person. I like it simple. I like the simple menu. I like, I like it just out of my way for the most part. I don't, I don't need a tiling window manager. I don't need to go that simple. But I want to keep it pretty minimal. And uh, so, yeah, I do. And I also work on the project. I started, you know, really loving it probably, well, when they switched to LXQ. So 1810, it really won me over. I actually had an old laptop that I had 1804 on. That was the last LXDE. And I was just trying to revive some life into it. And then they came out with LXQ and I'm like, wow, that looks much more modern. It's still simple. And it is, it does have some customization, Joe. Nice try. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've got the same feeling about uh, Linux Mint, which is, it has typically been my home for the past couple of years. And that's it. I mean, there's, there's a simplicity to it that, you know, I don't need the flashy. I love my wobbly windows. I mean, uh, that's my pedigree, but you know, you don't need it to get your work done. And when you're trying to, you know, record a show or edit some video or something like that, you just want it to work and it doesn't matter whether or not the windows fade. Exactly. So Rocco, I I know 
you're not the most open person about, you know, how you got your start, maybe, or, or just talking about yourself anyway. So how, how did you get your start into Linux? Well, you know, I sat down and thought about it the one day and I didn't really remember all of the details. Uh, but, you know, doing the Linux Spotlight, it jogs your memory of other people telling their story. And, you know, the one Linux Spotlight was with Dave, Dreaming Wolf. And, you know, he had mentioned that he had heard about Ubuntu on the overclocker forums. And, you know, it just like dinged in my head. Yet that's exactly where I had heard about uh, Ubuntu and Linux. So I ended up trying it and then didn't stick with it because it was so different. And I was, I don't want to say I was a power user in Windows, but I did mess up the registry entry so many times that I had to reinstall Windows multiple times. So I was into trying new things. Well, it didn't work. Waited a little while, a couple of years, I guess. And then I went back to it, got it installed using the Wilby installer. Actually, I got into the desktop and I was like, this is great, but I can't get to my files. I don't have my pictures. I don't have my documents. I don't even know how to get to them. Like, I don't know how to get them from the Windows partition over to the Linux partition. And, uh, you know, I was like, meh. So I waited. One day I finally got it. And just, I guess, fell in love with the fact that I could customize it. So during that transition period, I was on Windows and I was trying all these things to customize Windows, which was basically nothing. I mean, you had to purchase window blinds or, or something to that effect to change anything. Well, and that's what drew me back to Linux. And I started out somewhere in KDE 3.5 days and loved it. And then they kind of like went on to KDE 4, Plasma 4. So that started my journey on trying all of these other distros and other desktop environments. And today I'm running Pop! OS. So there you have that. Nice. So whatever made you get into podcasting and, you know, having, having shows where people were, were, were joining and telling their story, whatever made you get started on that? Well, I was running KDE at the time and, you know, YouTube was around and there were Linux videos, but there was hardly any information or video information, I should say, on KDE Plasma. So it has a billion settings in Plasma 5 and there's, there's no information on what these settings do. There's no one-stop shop for that. So I figured, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't do that. Well, my dad had said to me, well, why don't you just, you know, start making videos and show people what you know? And I'm like, well, I don't know everything. I'm like, I don't know what all of these settings, do. well, you don't need to know everything. He says, you just tell them what you know. And that's where the YouTube channel started. So I started with a KDE customization series of videos and it, they were very raw and terrible and probably not good today if you went back and looked at them. But that's where I started in YouTube. And then back in December of 2016, I think it was, I was talking to Rob Collins and he said, well, you want to join me on a YouTube video and we'll talk about Linux. And I said, yeah, that's great. That's where Destination Linux started. And then I ended up doing live streams. The idea was to do a live stream to pick a distro, install it and do the live stream from that distro as I'm checking it out. 
Well, that doesn't work out too well, especially when <laughs> it's got bugs and you got crashes and you got errors and people can't see the video anymore. And so that whole biddle started as a live stream of me just live streaming a distro and then failing and then saying, you know, there's people in the chat. I said, well, you know, you can guys can come on and talk if you want. And I think uh, Joe Panico was one of the first guys that came on and there was a couple others. Colin was there. And then we just decided to make it a regular night, regular thing every week. It was Friday night live. I think it was called when we officially made it a, a talk uh, in, within the community and it's changed over the years and got different times and, and everything else to the point it is today uh, where we do it every week. It's called Biddle and I love it. I'd love to be in there. Yep. Well, all of you guys are on there and, and I appreciate you guys being there. So it's a fun time. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, if I can't, I won't, I wouldn't miss it. Yeah, it is a good time. Well, that is the story of how the podcast started. That is who we are. And there you go. All right, guys. So we've uh, been playing around with Pop! OS 2004 LTS for the last couple of weeks. Um, I thought we'd start by just giving a little bit of history lesson. What is Pop! OS? Why does it exist? Where does it come from? And hopefully by the end of this, we'll have an idea where it's going. So Pop! OS started uh, by a company, System76. We're all familiar with them. They make some laptops, some really cool stuff. They've been making laptops since about, uh, since about 2005. And up until 2017, Ubuntu uh, proper was their go-to distro of choice that they loaded on every device there. Well, what happens in 2017? Anyone? Goodbye, Unity. Right. Unity goes away and Pop immediately starts working on Pop OS uh, 1710 and developing their own version of GNOME. Um, and at this point, 1710, it feels a little more like a themed version of GNOME. Not a whole lot of extra utility added in, but it's the base of what they're going to be working on. And uh, interestingly enough, to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe System76 and Pop! OS is the only ma uh, hardware manufacturer that's developing their own distro. I mean, you could you could maybe say Raspbian for, for Raspberry Pis or Raspberry Pi OS, whatever, but I think they're pretty unique in the fact that they are marrying the Linux hardware, the Linux software, sorry, with the hardware and working on utilities to make that work well together. Yep, they are. Yeah, so some of the basic distro details that are involved, uh, it's based on Ubuntu and the uh, desktop environment's pretty much a heavily themed GNOME shell. Um, you can tell that pretty quick as you fire it up and start getting into the menus and things like that. The desktop, uh, sorry, the file manager, uh, they use Nautilus, apt for package management. It's a GTK base, and they're using systemd. Who isn't? The uh, pop shop, uh, which is uh, pretty unique, it's actually a fork or a derivative of elementary OS, which I think is pretty fascinating because isn't the App Center a derivative of <laughs> Ubuntu's uh, uh, software center <laughs> as well? So uh, kind of a derivative of a derivative, if I'm not mistaken. Aren't we all? Yeah. Right? Very open source model. Right. Uh, the display manager, GDM, uh, which is based on GNOME and X. By default, you can use Wayland if you like, but again, doesn't work with uh, dedicated graphics cards to this point. So that's a little history. It brings us to the current release, Pop! OS 2004 LTS. 
So they made a number of advancements in this version uh, that came out. Obviously, it's built on Ubuntu. So all the advancements that came with Ubuntu also were uh, brought into uh, Pop as well. But uh, one key fe feature that I know we've all kind of played with is their auto tiling. Um, and that has uh, been pretty, pretty neat to have an extension, basically, that enables auto tiling by default. Uh, any thoughts on that so far? You guys have been playing with that. I'm really starting to find my groove, I think, with, with the tiling. Um, I think, you know, it's only been a couple of weeks. So a couple of more weeks and I, I could really, really get used to that. Yeah, I think I need more time. Uh, I was coming off of maybe a couple of weeks ago playing around with Regolith and i3. And so I really got started to get the muscle memory down for how to smash windows mm -hmm. into the into the side or the corner or whatever. And yeah, when you turn on tiling, so I had to, to picture this, right? I had I had like eight different windows up on my screen. And I'm like, you know what I need right now? Tiles. I really want to be able to get at everything. I flipped it on. Everything just, I, I don't know where anything went. And things were so tiny, squished off into the corner. It it was tough. I think I need more time with it. But, uh, I mean, as, as far as if you just have a couple of windows going on uh, and you pop a new one open or something like that, it's pretty intuitive. But, yeah, just don't turn it on when you got, like, eight or ten windows on the screen. It'll, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> but I think, I so, like, I was able to use the extra workspaces in addition to that. So I could flip the workspaces and still have the the beauty behind having a you know two three four windows tiled in each workspace and and flipping the workspaces along with flipping through the tiles that's where it took a, cu a couple of weeks and a couple more weeks and i could really be a lot more proficient yeah this is where i'm i'm also trying to get on to the whole workspaces uh horse as well i started to do it Gnome makes it actually really easy to to understand how workspaces work because when you smack that super key, your workspaces are off to your side and you can see what's on them. That, mm -hmm. I think, is probably the biggest thing that has allowed me to understand how workspaces work and the fact that you can drag windows just from that uh, that list of stuff right onto one of those workspaces. That that has eased me into it. And I think the marriage of those two things is is really what's going to push me over the edge to really start doing the tiling and pop. Yeah, really cool. Another uh, avenue that they've added or, or worked on is their uh, application switcher and launcher. So we all know, you know, super tab, you can uh, start tabbing through your different software pieces, but super forward slash, they worked on this this time. And it's actually pretty powerful launcher, um, which I don't remember it in the past. Maybe I just didn't use it, but I started messing around with that this week. Really cool. Being able to um, not just uh, switch between your open apps, but you can start typing just like hitting the super key. You can launch an app, or you can uh, switch to that app. So, uh, just a little, little more um, nuances that they add on top of what's already there. A big change was the Flatpak support, FlatHub out of the box. So we know that's been a topic for conversation in a lot of circles lately for different reasons, but. Pop has done it in such a way that they've integrated it into the Pop Shop. You can go and look, is there a Deb? Is there a flat pack? And you just pick the one you want. Or if they're only available in either or, you take what you get. So uh, really cool that that's already integrated. If flat pack's your thing, flat pack's not your thing, then you got to do like I do and just add snaps and live life. 
Does does that get integrated into the pop shop as well? The snaps? Yeah. Or do you have to do that all command line? Yeah, command line. Got it. Yeah, okay. the snaps are not built into um pop shop, right. but the flat packs are. I did I did check that out. Yeah, one of the things I tried to do with this is do it the way they present it. That way you really get a feel for how pop behaves and how it's supposed to feel. Right. Yeah, and I think that they've done it really well with the pop shop, you know, selecting between the two. I think it's just it's very smooth. I like the way they do it a lot. It's 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 similar to the way it's done in Discover with with flipping between, you know, the snaps, flat packs and dead packages. So it's very intuitive. I think it's a good way to go. And it tends to be the the option either way, right? Because even with Ubuntu, right? If you're going to get a, if you're going to load up Ubuntu and get in the software center, you're going to have snaps or you're going to have Debs, right? It, it seems like somebody's, everybody's picking a, a lane and it's fine. It, it, it seems to be majority of software is available in one of those formats. You can get it. And then if you still want, need something, they uh, haven't blocked you from adding it. So um, you can always go get a snap uh, if you'd like and enable that. Hybrid graphics mode. So I will say um, pop, one of the things that really got me on pop early on, and I didn't recognize it right away because I didn't have a dedicated graphics card in the laptop I had at the time, but now their uh, hybrid graphics, I want to say they were one of the first to be able to just go into your uh, tray up there and swap between dedicated or integrated graphics. And you, you had to log out and log back in. But it was it was really neat, and they've taken that even a step further, and uh, been working on uh, adding other features to it. Um, now you can go into the uh, hybrid mode, which is really neat, where I can now right click on the app I'm going to launch, and I can choose whether I want to run it with integrated graphics or whether I want to run it with the dedicated GPU on the laptop. So, gives you the ability to really do some things. You want to launch. Minecraft, you can launch it with the dedicated graphics card, but it doesn't, if you're not using it, you have the power savings of running on a, on that integrated um, graphics card while you're not needing it, which was a really cool feature. And another thing that wasn't in the release notes, but I just noticed popped up yesterday or the day before was the compute mode. Did you guys see that? No. 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 So uh, in that same uh, power settings, now I've got integrated graphics. I've got NVIDIA graphics. I've got hybrid graphics, which is what I'm on now, and now compute graphics. So they've added, there's another mode now to where it's in compute mode, which I would guess for some pretty heavy duty number crunching or um, processing power yeah, that video way. Video editing, things like that. Yeah, video yeah. editing. Yeah, things like that. So really, really cool little features again that just keep adding to make, um, it, it's amazing to me how they I would recommend pop for a new user, but even power users, I think, can really still get work done. And they, they've enabled their tools to work in both um, areas. The application indicators in the top bar, that was really cool. So being able to look up to the right now and see which apps you have open and uh, gives you some menu options to select and go through them as well. That, that's a big must have for me. I, I personally want my application indicators where I can see them. Yeah, yeah. same here. I, I got to have them. I got to know when I get new messages, things like that. When they're hidden behind, you know, right. whatever. It's 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 frustrating to go in and realize, oh, I've got 54 messages. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I want to be able to minimize that so that, you know, that's not 
you know, the application isn't always there, but I want to be able to get to it again when I can see that I have some sort of notification. Yeah, because otherwise all you get is that little circle by the clock to tell you that you have a notification, but I'm not going to tell you which one. So yeah, Pop is really good about here's your actual notification. It's important to me anyway. Yeah, it's good to know when you take a day or two off of Telegram and you see, you know, 784 million uh, on the Telegram because <laughs> everybody's been chatting away in the different different groups. So, yes, uh, the, again, adding little areas gives you information, doesn't take over the screen, doesn't have an annoying pop-up that comes in. It's just some information that's there for you. Theme updates, dark mode by default. <laughs> dark mode all the things can't i can't dark mode enough of the things now i don't have to go find it to turn it on i think it's great their dark mode i love it's it's not too dark it's not it's a nice hybrid um and it plays nice with their theming and everything else i, I really appreciate the way they do that and if you want to check it out a big shout to their website you can actually go to their website and there's a enable dark mode button toggle that looks just like the one in the software and you can toggle the the website back back and forth on and on just to kind of see how their theming works out i mean that's that's some polish right there like just just those little things of attention to detail one one of the big things that i love about the pop os dark mode is do you guys remember i i know that you have said that you guys were on earlier versions of ubuntu you remember that color scheme (laughs) <laughs> you remember you remember all that brown? Yeah. Pop is brown, man. Yeah. And and it's good. It it gave me that nostalgic hit right in the gut and I was like, yeah. I like this. This is this is good. Yeah, it feels warm inside. It does. Yeah. All right. With uh of course the Ubuntu base comes uh, some new technological advances, of course, GNOME 3.36. The new extensions app, which again available across the board, but I love that the uh, retooling, they've reorganized some of the settings throughout uh, in 3.36. And then, of course, Linux kernel 5.4. So increased support for the 5700 XTs, the Navi 10, Navi 12, and 14 support. And then also all of the 2020 APU stuff that's coming out from AMD, they have already started that. And Mesa drivers 20.8 currently as I last checked. I don't think it shipped with that, but that was the latest update. So sitting on 20.8. So eh, not quite arch level uh, support yet on the Mesa, but uh, it's at least uh, good enough to where I can get some gaming on. So I will say that kernel 5.4 was a must for me. It absolutely had to be. And uh, that's because I'm on the 5700 XT, as you mentioned. So if I didn't have 5.4, it would have been, ooh, I would have had to do something like Uku and get a new kernel or something like that. There, there's better stuff in the newer kernels, but 5.4 was, a, was an absolute minimum. Yeah, that was a big moment for Ubuntu, really, I think, in general, just to be able to get that in and and working for everything. Because like you said, um, those 5700 XTs are are kind of what's going now, uh, AMD-wise, and um, probably the majority that are, are getting into AMD, that's where they're starting at or jumping in. It's a good price point, good sweet spot. So yeah, having that support out of the box is a, is a must, I think, at this point. All right, guys. So you've all been on this for two weeks. You've lived with it. You've worked with it. You've been beating it up. Leo's been trying to find things wrong with it, but he can't. Uh, oh, wait, no. Yep, he's probably going to have plenty. Oh, you give me some time, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, now is your time. What did you think of Pop! OS 2004 LTS? To be honest, 
it's pretty fantastic. Um, there, there, are, there are things wrong with it, obviously, but I mean, there are things How wrong with every you? single. What? Wait, I didn't <laughs> find nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Wait a minute. There, there are things wrong with every distro that I've ever tried. You know, I mean, and 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 some of them are little paper cut things. Um, so to kind of give you an idea of where I'm coming from with this, and and honestly, this is going to be like a this is a wrong thing, this is a great thing, this is a not so good thing, this is an awesome thing. So I'm not just trying to trash all over Pop OS because to be honest with you, you might be surprised uh, by the by the end of all of this when we get our our temperatures on Pop. So on my desktop, I, I did this on both my desktop and my laptop because I wanted to do this right. I wanted to know from every angle that I possibly could, all the hardware that I'm on, I wanted to do it right. So on my desktop, I'm on uh, an MSI B350 Tomahawk Plus. So it's just an MSI motherboard uh, with a, a Ryzen 1700, an RX 5700 XT graphics card, uh, 32 gigs of RAM, and a 1440p display. That That's important because, um, you know, as you want to start doing scaling and stuff, it, it, makes, uh, it makes a difference. And then my laptop... Your pretty bog standard uh, ThinkPad. It's a T450s uh, i5-5300U, so it's on the slower side of of uh, laptop CPUs, as we were talking about before the show. And uh, 1080p display. I'm not using it now, but I have an, an external 1080p display that worked fantastic. Um, so my first thoughts: it's Ubuntu, but with a ton of additional and and I think good tweaks. We were talking about the notification stuff in the top right-hand corner. It's important that I have that stuff. And it's it's just default. It's just there in Pop. So that, that was really important. Uh, I didn't install on my desktop through BIOS, so the old legacy style of installation. And on my laptop, I did UEFI just so I could feel both. Um, you know what? Pop is absolutely 100% intuitive when it comes to installing. You said it was good for new users. I agree with that. Because right at the very beginning, unless you're buying a System76 laptop, Pop is not coming installed. So you're going to have to go through this process. And in both processes, um, BIOS, it didn't even ask me where my bootloader wanted to go. And I'm like, oh, this is bad. Oh, no. I rebooted. Bingo. It worked. So it, it, the disk that I picked to install it on, it just dropped the, the bootloader right there. And I've, I've had installers where that did not happen. So it's an intuitive, intuitive thing. Um, UEFI. Uh, again, one of those things where it was like it didn't ask me where my EFI bootloader thing wanted to go, and I was just like, "What's going to happen?" It worked. It worked. Did not even have a single hitch with that. Yeah, to that point too with the UEFI stuff, absolutely. And and that's we talked about earlier in the show. What drew me in, being able to lo- load up a distro, and even back when I first got on it, it was one of the ones where you just you launched it, and I could go start gaming. Like I didn't have to just futz with a bunch of stuff, you know, to, to, to get things to work. It just felt like a complete operating system. Like somebody really, it wasn't a bunch of stuff stacked together, but somebody had some real fluid thought and thought, you know what, here's our user base. Here's, here's the next step they're going to do. And here's the next step they're going to do and really walked through that to make it nice. And as the installation shows, and I think that's to the point, even there, right. It wasn't. Oh, you know, it worked fine UEFI, but the BIOS, it just didn't. No, 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 no. They've, they've, they've got it uh, both ways. So that's, that's really good feedback on that. And the installer itself is beautiful. So it's not your typical Ubuntu installer. They've packaged it for Pop! OS with all of the logos and imagery. And the questions that it asks are in a readable form for new users. Yeah. I don't think Second anybody back. would be confused 
and not know what to do in this installer. They ask you what they need, and then you boot into the system, and then you do the onboarding. Yeah, I think the only person that would be confused is someone that has never installed an operating system before and is very foggy on, well, what's a disk? What's, uh, you know, how much RAM do I have? I don't even know the, the answer to that question. So certainly some a segment of people that, that might be confused. But by and large, I agree with you there. I mean, it's it's if you know a little bit about computers, you won't have any issue getting through it. And you would think most people getting on Linux know a little bit about computers. <laughs> Just, Just a little. little. Having that uh, two-part uh, installer makes makes it easier for them to ship, you know, the hardware already installed with the operating system so that, you know, you can, you can boot into it in OEM mode and then finish the rest of the installation and then it's yours. Yeah, we, we can thank GNOME for that. That's, that's a, a GNOME thing, right? Where they mm -hmm. the initial install then, okay, yeah, I got it. Yep. Rocco, how'd you uh, make out? Well, I have, um, I've been running POP since, for over a year now. So uh, this is this was a pleasant thing to talk about, but I wanted to do the whole thing all over again. Just like Leo said, I wanted to make sure I did it, uh, installed it fresh. So what I did was I have the main machine, which is I recently upgraded from 1804 to 2004, have the test machine that I did a fresh install on, and then I have a laptop that I upgraded. I will say that the main machine did not go well. And I don't know if we can blame Pop for that. So you download the updates and you boot into this graphical user interface that they put together and it goes through the update process. Halfway through, it decided to have an error and then it just rebooted. I come back up to a black screen and it was a, a, a nightmare. So Emma from System76, I reached out to her and she was helping me and Popey was helping me. Because I didn't know where else to turn. I needed an expert. So I went that to was hard mode. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this is the main machine. This is not no test machine. I got I got to get work done on this. So long story short, we spent a couple hours on dependency issues that it was having with Python 2 and 3 and the switchover and all of this stuff. And we got it up and working. So that was fixed. Now the upgrade on the laptop. It went perfect. There were no issues. It downloaded, went into its thing, rebooted, and everything was fine. There are a few issues left over, I think, from the upgrade with the main machine. There are certain times where I'll boot up and it'll ask for your password. And it's not the, the 2004 password box. It's an older one mm -hmm. or it's a wide one. Sometimes it comes up and it's even a different theme. And I don't know what the deal is with that. But I think those are issues from being leftovers from that upgrade that went wrong. On the test machine, the install went perfect. Uh, we already talked about the installer. Now, the hardware that I'm running it on is pretty high-end hardware. You got i9, 9900K processors, 32 gigabytes of RAM in both the, the main machine and the test machine. So uh, that didn't have a problem. One was uh, the test machine is an AMD card. 580 and the main machines is 2080 uh, nvidia so i kind of covered all bases in that you know the install the hardware and everything else but you know the big question you'd mentioned joe earlier when it came, first came out that it was kind of just a theme and i think that was the initial reaction by everybody that this was just another reskinned ubuntu 
and we really didn't need this. And there was a lot of people questioning why. Why would you even put out an opera a distro? Why don't you just put it back into the uh, community itself? But I think they did a a uh, a good thing by making this distro. And you know, you got standout features today that aren't everywhere else. Just like we talked about the tiling extension, that extension is is awesome for people to get their feet wet in a tiling window manager without actually having to run a tiling window manager. Now, I don't know about you guys. I feel like I'm running Arch, dude. I have updates almost every single day in the pop shop. Yeah. Is that the same for you guys? It is. Yes. Yeah. There was a big one this, uh, this past week. I mean, a very large update, which I think it, it had to do with, it was in Ubuntu also, but yeah, every day I've got a number on my little pop shop down there and I have to click it. I can't, I can't have any numbers down there. I have to click them right. and I have to do the updates. Oh, I, I go for the high score, man. I just, I just let it, I just You're let going it high score. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of updates. Going back to the original point of mine was that people said it was just an Ubuntu reskin. These, there are features today and you still get that question, you know, why would you run Pop! OS over Ubuntu? But there are so many different things. It's not one feature. It's not one thing that you can say, well, this is why you'd run Pop! OS. It's the whole gamut of things. It's the pop shop. It's the theming that is so awesome throughout the system. Like there's no spots where, well, that doesn't quite look right. We talked about the extensions app. That is so cool that it's built in. When you pull it up, it shows you the installed manually extensions and it separates them from the ones that are built in. And mm-hmm. so you know what you're, what you've, what they've put in and what you've put in. I mean, let me, let me add one to your list. This, this is one that I had no idea this existed. I was just, I got it on my laptop. I was just playing around, looking through uh, some of the options that you get in the top right-hand corner. That's where everything is. If, uh, unless you're in the settings, that's where the stuff is. Laptop power profiles. When did this happen? <laughs> because going from, it's, it's balanced by default. Going from there, where I would get four to five hours or so on my laptop, you know, not doing anything too terribly heavy, obviously, when you start, you know, cracking open Google Chrome, it's like, you got 30 minutes, man. But (laughs) when I move it from balanced to the battery saver one, it gave me an extra hour and a half. And what, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I saw that the screen, uh, screen brightness went down a little bit, but I, you know, tapped it up just a little bit to make it a little (laughs) bit brighter. But I was, I still pulled out another hour. How did, what, what, what is even going on there? So, you know, just to, to add another one to your list, just little things that do not exist in Ubuntu that do exist in Pop! OS. That is another reason to say, you know, you should, maybe because you're running on a laptop, you might want to try Pop, might squeeze some more juice out of it. Yeah. And you know what, to that point too, what's so encouraging to me about this is obviously a lot of this is designed around their own hardware, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, I want to have a, a power saving mode for my own laptop that I just made, but they don't turn it off for the rest of us, right? All of those things that they're working on, the, these little niceties, it, it goes right out to everyone and they support it. And they're not, you know, they're not charging for the OS. I'm sure they'll take donations for it. They added that button this year. But, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't own a System76 piece of hardware. I'd like to, but either way... They, they add those things in and we reap the benefits. And it just feels, again, thought from the beginning to the end. They really thought about the user, how they were going to interact with it. And, oh, you know, this would be nice for them. Oh, this would be nice for them. And we're reaping the benefits of it. 
Well, one thing that I did find in the past couple days, they released a update, and one of the updates was the pop transition. That's what they're calling it. And basically, it popped up a notification telling me that these are programs that are no longer going to be in the repos. And if you click it, it opens up a box and it tells you, hey, these are no longer going to be in the repos. There's a flat pack available. It gives you an install button to install the flat pack. And then it gives you a remove button to remove the deb so that you can get rid of it. They pretty much handled everything for you without having to go and jump through hoops. And I haven't heard much about it as far as like them releasing any uh, notes about it or what exactly it was designed for. Like, why did they need to design something like that? But I think it's awesome. I know what it was designed for. They support all their hardware and their customers. It saves a phone call. I mean, if you're, if you're supporting, right, if you're supporting a user base, all of us would do it. I mean, if I can save a phone call, every time I go to someone's desk in my office, I'm like, okay, you watch what I'm going to do right here. And you now know how to do this. You're the expert. And by them adding in these little tools, yeah, I mean, th there's a, definitely a benefit on that side of it for sure. Uh, if it saves a phone call, if it's something they can handle and chat, or maybe they don't even have to chat with that individual, not because they don't want to, but if it's, it relieves a pain point for their customer, amazing. Like that's, that's incentive enough right there. I, I agree completely, Joe, as somebody that, you know, helps support software and IT support. I've been there. I know. You're right. You want to minimize those things as much as possible and, and give a good experience so that people are content and able to get their work done. I think all the value added features that System76 puts into this are, are, you know, put this on the short list, if not towards the top. Yep. Yeah. So one of the other things that really jumped out at me, guys, was their website. Man, you go to System76 website and you just... It's not just that it like it looks like a million bucks. It flows. If you need to find out, and this is also not just a distro, right? They sell hardware. They do a lot of things. But their support area is second to none. The pop docs. Did you get into the pop docs? I mean, if you want to, if I was on Ubuntu, I would come to the pop docs or, you know, no, no slight against Ubuntu. They do great too. But there's just a plethora of information that they've put it together. From the user standpoint, here's how you can do this. I mean, there was things in there I was reading. I had to double take. I'm like, wow, I could have used this when I was first getting into <laughs> Linux. <laughs> Where were you when I first started? But uh, what else? What did you guys think of the website? What did you, what did you find? It is beautiful. I think the the theming from you know the the operating system flows into the website, and it it flows into the hardware even a little bit too. It all flows together very nicely and gives a a really good experience. Their, their designers are awesome. Yeah. I mean, they, they have an, an, a, an amazing eye for what looks good. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. Pops to them. Well, it all goes back to what I was, the point I was trying to make about, you know, it's the whole package of when you choose Pop. It's, it's everything from all the features of it to the website, to the company behind it, the people that work at that company, and all of the time and effort they put into the community itself. And that's the reason why I run Pop! OS. Yeah, I think one of the things that we, we say a lot about Mac in general, about, you know, they're, they're, you know, from top to bottom, 
It's Apple, 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 software, hardware, everything. I mean, th this is what System76 is doing. It's what they're going for. It's the entire experience from the moment you hit their website to the moment you get their laptop to the moment you turn it on to the to the moment that it's you've made it yours. You know, it, it's it's a consistent experience all the way down. And I think that says a lot about how much they care about what goes in and what doesn't go into the operating systems, the hardware, everything. If you go to their um, about us section, I, I, I spent, I clicked on every picture. <laughs> the fact that they are putting themselves out here, we know what the World Wide Web is like, right? Guys, oh, we know. there's people, right. People do not want their picture out there. There's companies that they're like, oh, I know if I put my stuff up here, somebody's going to find me and they're going to, you know, because they ran into a problem and it. But they seem to be, they seem to welcome that interaction, that they want to interact with their customer base because they feel confident in what they're putting out there. And that, that takes a lot of, of effort and a lot of work. As, uh, as someone who runs a business that's very customer facing, interacting with your customers is great when everything's good, but wanting to interact with them, even when it's bad and there's just no pacifying them, that's something else. Um, but I thought the the attention to that detail was was really cool. And they they uh, who is System Seventy Six? A diverse team of creators, makers, and builders. A small company innovating the next big things. A group of extremely hardcore nerds. All of the above. Yep. And they had an A B C D option there. And that that's just very telling from the the culture of the company there. And it's reflected all the way down through the the desktop and into the uh, distro. So I, I got one more good thing to say. And then I can tell them how they can pacify me. <laughs> so the 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 thing that I realized was uh, I've tried to play a H.264 video. So if you're if you are familiar with Codex, um, so like your basic MP4, right? I play that videos. Couldn't play it. It was like nope. But the first thing that popped up was, hey, I see you're playing a video format that I don't understand. Do you want GStreamer 1.0-libav? And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but okay. And so I, I install it, and my video plays. And yeah. just, you know, little attention to detail like that. I don't know if that's an Ubuntu thing. If it is, you guys are fantastic. I don't know if it's a Pop! OS thing. If it is, you guys are fantastic. Either way, whoever does that, you're fantastic. Thank you for that. Uh, I didn't want to go digging around trying to find... I remember like years ago trying to find something, something, Codex Ugly, something or another. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not trying to do that again. But yeah. here's some things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Number one, I had to go get Chromium, right? I had to. Because it was there and it wasn't blocked. So <laughs> I don't know anything about that. I have no idea what, what I'm talking about. about. Mm -mm, yeah. Mm -mm. I, I, every distro mm -hmm. I load up, it's got Chromium just exactly. right there available. Ex just right there. No you empty just packages. Click on it. Yeah. Nope. So, so I go get Chromium and I get Chrome. So I installed them both. Chromium uh, came in the, the Deb that Pop! OS builds, which Dan told me was the Debian packages. I didn't believe him. And then I fired it up. And then the bookmarks are like, hey, Debian.org. And I'm like, what? So <laughs> yeah, there yeah that, that was kind of funny. But when, when that happened, when I fired it up, Debian.org, Debian's website is just a link, a, 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 like a sea of blue links. That's what that is. When I looked at it, I was like, that does not look right. What is, what is the deal? So I opened it up in Firefox, and there is a stark difference between what it looks like in Firefox and what it looks like in Chromium. And I'm not talking about the fonts. The font rendering is different, and the font choices are different. I get that uh, between the two browsers. But the color. Blue is blue. Like, it's supposed to be blue, not purple. 
So in both Chromium and Chrome, and I experienced this in Ubuntu too. So this is not this is not something that Pop OS did wrong, but it is something that Pop OS might be able to fix because I had this on both my desktop and my laptop as well. I had to go in uh, to the Chrome flags, and it was the force color profile option needed to be turned to sRGB, not default. If I left it at default, everything was purple. I mean, subtly purple, but almost is halfway in between a clicked link and a non-clicked link. But it's subtle enough that it just it kept nagging at me. And so I had to go in and figure out how to fix that. That's how you fix that, Chrome flags. But the fact that you have to go into that, very user, not cool. Um, and, you know, there were seriously maybe two articles on the internet about this. This was not a very widespread issue, but I had it on, happen on both machines that are different. Maybe it's because I don't run an, uh, on NVIDIA stuff. I'm on Intel here on my laptop, and I'm on AMD, uh, yeah, an AMD graphics card on my desktop. Maybe NVIDIA makes this work, but uh, yeah, th these two situations did not work at all. So that was jarring, but like I said, I had it happen on Ubuntu too, so it's not really just a pop thing at all. You showed us the screenshot in, in yeah. chat, and it was distinct enough that I would have thought that you had clicked all those links. So mm -hmm. Exactly, and, and I, was getting, I was really getting that vibe. It's the same on Nvidia, just so you know. Oh, because I'm 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 looking. I have I have it loaded up uh, on uh, on the XPS. Yeah, do a side by side it's, with it's Firefox. A, a dark purple. Yeah. Uh huh. And and I don't know what that is. And I've seen that that happened to me on Fedora. So it, this is not even just an Ubuntu thing either. This is whatever Chrome or Chromium is doing on maybe it's GNOME. I don't know, but. Yeah, whatever's happening there. Yeah, purple. So there's this there's this little company out there now. They've got this Chrome Chromium based web browser. I think it's Edge or something. Try that one. <laughs> oh, a small company, right? They're like a startup. Yeah, little, little guys. Uh, they're 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 in a, they're you know they're a Kickstarter or something. I don't know. Really? Um, Edge. I think really? it is Edge. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I I don't know if um, the guy from YouTube uh, was one of the founders. His name was Edge. I think, uh, it, but like regardless, that. I've heard, um, I've heard they've got some stuff to try there. I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind trying it out just to see if it does the same thing. Yeah. The, the other little, uh, thing that, that got me was, um, well, I mean, I've got more we'll talk about them later though, but, um, the Slack indicator crashed my whole system on my desktop. Um, and, and I know it was a Slack indicator cause I, I journal control XE went back, checked out the logs and everything was going fine. And then a wall of yellow text and a chunk of red text. And it all started with Slack indicator cannot be found <laughs> and then mm. hard lock up. And I'm what, what happened there? So it's the indicator. I know we love our indicators up there, mm -hmm. but whatever happened happened because of that extension. And I don't know if it's a GNOME thing. I don't know if it's whatever, but yeah, hard lockup. I didn't have any other issues outside of that uh, as far as the indicators go, but it j yeah. it struck me as I haven't had a hard lockup in months. And then that happened to me and I'm like, whoa, got to write this one down. Is it, was that on your Lenovo? Oh, no, no, no. That was on my desktop. Uh, oh, so, oh, okay. Yeah, that was, wow. um, yeah, 5700 XT, I guess. If it's a graphics thing, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it, it's not a slowness thing. Well, I think the one thing that if I could change, uh, it would be to, like, as good as the installer is, if it could automatically recognize a high DPI screen, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. The installer itself. Yeah, all other distros have that feature where... It, you know, it pops up a box, uh, not Ubuntu, but uh, we were trying one on Biddle the other week, I think it was. 
and it popped up a box and said, Hey, I noticed you're running a high DPI screen. Would you like to scale it? Sure. That was awesome. If they could build that in somehow to the pop installer, that would be great. Yeah, that would be nice. Definitely. Just have those, just have some options, right? Try them yep. out right then and there. Check it out and see what you like. Yeah, high, TBI, high DPI still seems to be an issue across the board. Yeah, n- not even just Linux. I mean, Mac yeah. is probably yep. maybe the best at it, but it's still not great. No, there's some issues there too. Oh, yeah, no, there are definitely issues. I have a. Uh, um, you start working with external monitors on a Mac, it gets. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, I've, uh, the two Macs I've got in here just drive me insane. Quick side story. The only way to change the resolution on your Mac is to plug an external monitor into it that has a lower resolution. You can't just go in and mm-hmm. change it anymore. That just annoys me to no end. But yeah, so I mean, the yeah, high DPI, it's not, it's not 100% there either, even when it just works. Yeah, well, as, as I, my mom just got a, a 13-inch Air. That's got, uh, I don't know, what is a 5K screen, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. On 13 Something ridiculous, right? And I'm trying to get it to where she can actually read it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm going, you got to be kidding me. She's a 70-year-old woman trying to read this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody's still struggling with high DPI a little bit here and there, I think. Yeah, so, you know, Linux gets a pass on that because not even the company that's supposedly, you know, that's supposed to do it right does it right. Well, you're holding it wrong. Oh, of course. Oh, I remember that. So I, I got to leave you with one more if, uh, if nobody's going to, you know, stop me from doing this. Go for uh, it, Leo. You got, you got to have one guy that's just absolutely crazy critical about something, right? And, and, we need uh, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been elected dually uh, to do this. So <laughs> um, Telegram. I don't know if this is a GNOME thing, but I installed Telegram both um, in, in, in Flatpak in the, in the pop shop. And my preferred way to do that is just to go to Telegram, download it, and then just drop it all in uh, the bin folder just do it manually but you know it shows up in the app indicators and it shows up in the uh in the applications and stuff after a logout login so it doesn't bother me but in both ways when i've got you know 20 30 messages or something that i need to scroll through if i have telegram uh focused and i'm scrolling everything stutters the whole desktop stutters this happens on both my laptop and my desktop and Hmm. it just like I'll have a YouTube video going that, you know, is very smooth, is the 60, 60 frames video or something. So, you know, you can tell when it when stuff happens. I'm scrolling and that video will stutter. Other things that are that are graphically heavy will stutter. I, I am really glad you brought this up, Leo, because I had the exact same experience and I thought it was just me. I thought it was my hardware. I was like, it's not. Uh, are, what, so you're what are you on graphically? So it's on AMD. I'm actually using a dock. So I have a, a Dell laptop and it has a dock and it, it's AMD graphics. I'm not sure what version it is or whatever, but it's definitely using an AMD uh, chip. And yeah, no, it just, it was really, really slow. And then all of a sudden it would take off and I'd be like, huh, that must be, it, it must be the graphics driver or something and so I'd, I'd go do something else and I'd, I'd surf the web and I'd scroll up, up and down. I'm like, no, nah, it's working fine. But yeah, then I'd come exactly. back to Telegram and there it is. So Yeah, so you two on your NVIDIA stuffs need to try this out and see if maybe it's the Mesa thing. I tried it out and I didn't have any problems on e- any of the three machines. Yeah. Now we're, we're talking, we're talking right new messages, right? Not ones that you've already scrolled through. Because no. if you've scrolled through them, it works. 
I'm going to yep. jump in. New messages. This one. 276 messages here. Focus it, scroll it, and then just watch what's going on in your screen. Move your mouse around, whatever, you know, see if it stutters okay, at all. Okay, I had uh-oh, a little stutter uh-oh. going down there. Okay. A little stutter. Uh-huh. But it didn't lock anything else up. Just a little stutter as it was loading the messages. It didn't lock anything else up, but it would uh, it, it would be kind of herky-jerky, if you will. I got you. Bit. Exactly. And that's on the flat pack. I'm using the flat pack. Can we submit a bug like that? Can we just say uh, it's herky jerky on the desktop, and <laughs> I need that? I need that to be a little bit better. <laughs> it's a very technical term. I have the test machine that has an AMD card, and this desktop has the NVIDIA card. I tried it on both, and I get no stutter whatsoever. Hmm. 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 And this one, I'm okay. on AMD actually. This this workstation, I'm on AMD, and the other one I'm on uh, is NVIDIA. So what whatever this issue is. I feel like it deserves more testing because this does not happen to me on on Mint, and I'm not trying to bring that in here or anything like that. Right. But I mean, it, it does not happen to me there, so it's got to be something with I don't know GNOME or I don't know. Is it possible that uh, Mint uses a different version of Telegram? No, because I, I grab it the same way there too. I grab it manually, so it's not has nothing to do with Mint. But they do offer you the Flatpak version. Yeah. yeah. I, I use the flat pack, so, I mean, that's going to be the same everywhere. Exactly. And so Mint is the same way, where they'll offer you a flat pack or nothing. So what you're saying is you just you just hate snaps. That's your problem, right? No, this is not a snap. I had it in flat pack. I mean, I can't say I'm in love with it. <laughs> I totally use that I install if, I, them. if it was available. <laughs> I, do, I do have some. Did you try out the snap on, on Mint? How'd, how'd that, that one go? Wow. Actually, Shots not fired. bad. Uh, I, I, nah, I did. <laughs> I did actually put Chromium in via Snap, uh, just to just to see it. You know what? You know what? The mouse is ugly. I can't stand it. Yes, that is the biggest uh, drawback with Snaps. I will say you're the only person I've I've heard to complain about um, a Debian Chrome package, and you were like, ah, the color's off. You know, it's because like it's Debian based. They're, they're like they're a little behind, so it's like 16 colors now. So we're waiting for them to get to like 32, 32, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll get up to 64 bit. You know, I don't know the, the, it's, it, they're, they're working on it. They're working That's on totally it. That's totally it. Yeah. We're one year into the next 10 year cycle of uh, the next release. So just, just, you know, I mean, go easy on the guys. They're working. It'll happen. It'll happen. Debian, you know, 11 will happen in about 20 years. So one last thing that, you know, it's, it's not, none of the, none of this stuff was actually a deal breaker though. None of it. I, uh, I like it, man. Pop is really good. So the the last thing was, does this happen to you guys when you install software, especially a flat pack? You install it and now the icon just like turns into an X. Mm-mm. No. So it happens on both my desktops uh, or both both my both my machines. I'll install. I'll, I'll I'll send you guys a screenshot about this because it's 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 weird. I'll install something and the icon will be there the whole time, and then all of a sudden, poof, the icon's just a red X now. What the icon where? Uh, in in the pop shop. Really? Yeah. So I go into the pop shop, go find me a piece of software, install that software. And after the software is installed, not during, not before, but only after it's installed, the icon just flips to an X. And then I reload the page, everything's back. But that, that was just weird to me. You're having some... He's making all this up. You're having some weird He's issues, Leo. Up. Did you steal my hardware somewhere along the line? Because I'm usually the guy with problems. Two separate downloads of the ISO. I downloaded the ISO on my laptop put it on a drive, downloaded the ISO on my desktop, put it on a drive. Yeah, so I, I don't even know that it would be uh, the install disk or anything like that. Yeah, you're making it all up. I, I think uh, totally. at this point, 100%. You're, just, you're trying to, 100%. to dirty their their clean and wholesome name. And I, I, I just, I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to allow it, Leo. How's it's too late. It's already I think been you're completely stealing Rocco's Thunder here. 
All right, fellas, we've been talking for a while now about Pop! OS, so it's the moment of truth. What are we going to do with this? Is this going to, are you going to continue rolling with this distro, or is it nuke and pave time? Start with you, Leo. I'm going to keep it. You know, I, I, talked a lot of, I talked a lot of mess about these little small things, but I spent a lot of time talking about them, but it was because it was the only stuff I could find wrong. Everything else is fantastic. One, one issue that I have with Ubuntu is that, you know, you hit the super key and all the windows pop out. It was, to steal another term, herky-jerky on Ubuntu proper, but on Pop! OS, smooth. Something Butter. they do. And, and if you haven't noticed, little things get to me. They, they, they tend to just crop up in my brain and I can't let them go. And when it happens and it happens and it happens and it happens, it just, it slowly eats away at me to push me away and push me away. But I mean, none of those things, none of those things were deal breakers for me in any way whatsoever. So I, I want to say with it, it's, it's actually really, really good. That's the most surprising thing I've heard in quite some time. Not what I was expecting at all. All right, Dan, what did you think? Keeping it, I'm go- I'm gonna put this in the toolbox. I'm gonna keep it for some other people, probably not me though. So I'm 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 not keeping it. I think it's a very very solid uh, distro. It still has a little too much flash for me. Okay, you just Shocker. don't like flash, Dan. I don't. He's a simple I don't. Man, <laughs> I don't. You talk about the application menu and and how it all pops out there. Ah oh, man, I just can't we can stand see that. if we can get it in black and white. Would that no no. With that? Color's cool. I like color. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Icons flying all over my screen. No, stop that. Yeah, so put those down. Yeah, that, that is a little much. They all fly out. I, I got a very Android feel when I click buttons yeah. in the application launcher and stuff. So I, I totally feel you there. And I could probably get past it, but if I'm really going to make this my own, I, I'm not going to keep that. So... I, I think it's very solid. I think all the value-added things are are excellent. They're good choices. And the pop shop is great. The selection for Flatpak versus Deb, that's fantastic. I love all those things. And I and I think it's great for, you know, any user, not just a new user, any user, like you said. So I, I think it's something to keep in the toolbox for other people, but maybe not for me. Okay. All right. That's an honest answer. I'll take it. Rocco? Okay, so I'm a Pop! OS fanboy. Everybody knows that. I'm going to continue running it. It has so many awesome features from, from Pop! Shop to the extensions thing they just added to the tiling. And you go along and you add all of the, the company behind it and the community that they interact with. And everything that goes on inside the, the System76 ecosystem is something that I want to support. I want to support a movement like that. And I love Pop! OS. So, yes, it's going to stay. What a surprise. Yeah, shocker. Yeah. Um, I'm going to nuke and pave all my... De- no, that's not going to happen. No, it's great. I, I, I'm, I've been on Pop! for a while. It's my go-to. I love playing in all the other worlds, and I will continue to do so. But every time I do, it doesn't matter. Manjaro, I've done you know i'm playing with mint right now all of the other ones uh, mate ubuntu mate i still 
end up back at pop and that's where my home is and it's it's solid i feel like it's got enough of the current to keep me going uh enough of the little tweaks that just make it that much more usable it's what i have my children on i have two lenovo t440s that the kids uh, game on and play on and, and they love it and, and they love the scheme the color schemes I think so much thought goes into it and like Rocco I do support what they seem to be about and uh, that ecosystem there um, and I feel like they're just somebody I want to I want to continue to support and by using their distro I feel like I'm doing that and uh, giving them feedback it's not without its problems this is Operating systems in general, I think, all have problems, and uh, it doesn't matter where you're at, you're going to run into issues from time to time. I run into them from time to time. Rocco, you talked about your upgrade woes, two T440s, one failed, one went through. I mean, there are ident- there is, they are as identical hardware as possible, and they all have the same programs on them. One failed, one went fine. Go yep. figure. But uh, that's, you know... That's just part of life, and uh, it's not a deal breaker for me. I think this is a very consistent, awesome product, and I love it, and I'm glad to be here with it. Housekeeping. We want to hear from you. Send your questions and feedback to contact at linuxuserspace.show, and we hope to read and discuss your message in an upcoming episode. In this show, we like to point out the fact that the Linux community has some fantastic members. And our podcast showcase this week is Linux headlines from Jupiter Broadcasting. In under three minutes, you can get Linux and open source headlines every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. More info at linuxheadlines.show. If you like what you hear on this show, please consider sponsoring us on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash linuxuserspace. That's patreon.com forward slash linuxuserspace, all one word. Please follow us on Twitter, at Linux User Space, to get all the latest announcements for this show and highlights for things that impact your user space. Lastly, don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application and like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. You can always get more information at our website, linuxuserspace.show. All right, so public service announcement for you guys. Ubuntu 19.10 is going to reach end of life in just four days. So if you have any machines running 19.10, you definitely need to do the upgrade now or at least plan it out how you're going to upgrade your system from 19.10. I I mean, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I don't think there's many people running 19.10, but it's still definitely something that we need to put out there as a uh, PSA. Yeah, as far as stats go, I think 1910 is pretty low on the uh, install number chart. But yeah, there's certainly people out there doing it. So upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. Right? Yeah. 2004, pave forward. And 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 if you never want to do it again, you got five years on 2004. Yeah, 2004, 2004 is a LTS, so... All right, so I wanted to bring up uh, Linux hardware. And we talk about it all the time. Every Linux Spotlight episode I make, I ask the person, hey, is this the year of the Linux desktop? You know, same old, age-old question. But I think we don't realize how much hardware there is available to purchase out there. There are so many companies nowadays offering 
Linux pre-installed that we hear it all the time. Yes, we hear it, but we don't actually realize how much it is. And I went out and wrote some of these companies down and we're going to go over some of them. Obviously, we just talked about System76. They just came out with their Lemur Pro. They got a fantastic line of computers. Along with System76, you got companies like Tuxedo. They are based in the UK, but they ship to most countries out there. I think there's only one or two countries on the list that they don't ship to. You have Juno Computers. They have many lines of computers that you can pick from to custom build your computer. We just read about Lenovo, that they will sell Ubuntu on their ThinkPad P series and their Workstation series of computers. I'm currently testing out a Kubuntu Focus. And if you're a developer or you're looking for a high-end laptop, this is one amazing laptop. It has everything you need as far as specs are concerned. It has high-end software, but it high-end hardware, but it also has the workflows that come pre-installed on the laptop when you order it for whether you're into video or audio editing, or if you're into uh, machine learning, or there are so many different things available from it that it makes it not a, uh, a laptop for everybody, but it fills that void or it fills a niche that the people that are out there that need those powerful laptops like that, they can get them and they can come pre-installed with a workflow that fits you. So Dell, it used to be that you had to go to their blog in order to see Linux machines. Now you can just go to dell.com forward slash Linux and you can see the machines they offer with Linux on it. We just read uh, about elementary having a, uh, being pre-installed on Star Labs. Well, Star Labs offers so many different distros on there, Ubuntu, Linux Mint, Kubuntu, and on down the list. MX, we just talked to Dolphin on Biddle. MX now comes pre-installed on Star Labs laptops. So you can get the Star Labs Mark IV, and that comes, you can get it pre-installed with MX Linux. You have Purism. Once you write all of these down and you see every, all of this whole list, it is an exciting time to be in Linux. What do you guys think? I had no idea that the list was this long until you wrote it down and, and now I'm reading it over. I, I had no idea. I think, I think it's fantastic. It really is. I think we had it wrong the whole time. It'll never be the year of the Linux desktop. It's the year of the Linux laptop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. I mean, can you imagine at what point in the last, I don't know, however long, we just talked about how long we've all been uh, dealing with computers or Linux in general. What did you think you'd see this day and then still not be satisfied? Well, that's no. the thing. You have so many options yeah. now that you can get whatever you want, basically, in a laptop or a computer and have Linux pre-installed on it. It's a, it's a fun time. It feels like we're on the uh, cusp of more to come, right? The, the changes that have happened, it feels like in the last couple of years to the Linux desktop has been far more changed than happened in the previous five or the previous 10 years. It seems like it's changing at such a rapid pace and the adoption seems to be rising up 
and uh, some of the people we get in uh, Telegram, it feels like every day you, you pop in Telegram and someone's like, yeah, I just got on Linux yesterday and I'm checking it out and and I need some help with this or whatever. And and we think back to the problems we used to have when, you know, you fire it up and your Wi-Fi didn't work. Yeah. Gosh, Wi-Fi was Wi-Fi was such a nightmare on on all of them, it felt like. Things have just changed so much, and this is just awesome information. And even some of these are smaller companies, right? Uh, they're not. They're not all. I mean, yeah, Dell, Lenovo. That's big. That's big time. Those are big, major companies. But some of these other ones, they're smaller companies. That's awesome. Uh, they're they're paving the way. They're adding more more devices. And uh, I just I think it's fascinating. This is fun. This is a fun time to be in Linux. I think oh, one yeah. of the other great things is there's something for every budget here. It's not. It's not just high-end machines, and it's not just cheap little netbooks. It's it's something that encompasses the whole range, and you can get exactly what you want with the Linux already installed. Yep. Well, I didn't even put on the list Pinebook uh, or Pine because yep. and there's, there's, another no, yeah. there's another one that offers it. And I think, to your point, Joe, we've seen so much change in the last year or so I think that lends itself to us not realizing how much change because every other month you're seeing some like Manjaro comes out and says, hey, we have Manjaro on these laptops now. And then elementary comes out and then MX comes out. And it's like it's such a constant change that you don't realize how much is actually changing until you actually see it written down on paper. Yeah, it's like erosion, right? I mean, it happens so slowly, at least in, in parts that, yeah, when you really take a hard look at it, you realize, yeah, I've got a dozen options here. And, I mean, looking at the Star Labs Mark IV, uh, starts at $736. That's that's one of my hard limits. I, I won't I won't spend four digits on a laptop, no matter what I'm getting. I can't do it. Uh, I just can't find it in the budget. So this is something that I'm going to have a really hard time saying, well, should I get a refurbished ThinkPad? Because, I mean, that's my go-to right now. Or should I just get a Star Labs? And you can take your pick on whatever distro that you want to get installed on it. At one point, I don't know if we even envisioned that. I don't think we envisioned no. being able to buy a laptop or a desktop computer and say, hey, I want this pre-installed. We just figured we would get our own. The conversation was always, how hard is it to turn off, um, oh, what is it, the boot things? Secure uh, boot. Secure boot, yeah. <laughs> how hard is it to turn off secure boot so that you can get Linux on there after the fact? That was always the conversation. Never Linux comes on it. Right. Yeah, you did more of your research on a Linux laptop before it was a Linux laptop because you needed to make sure all the hardware was going to work. Yeah, you, you did your research on a Windows laptop to ha how to yeah. change that. Yeah, exactly. That's one. what I mean. It was a, it was a, this was a pre-Linux pre laptop. We were going to make it one. It was either that or you're scrambling on your phone, right? Right. It's too late. <laughs> Wi-Fi already doesn't work. <laughs> Wi-Fi doesn't work, and, and there's not a Cat5 cable in the vicinity. <laughs> but thinking about the fact with all those options, what that does say, I think, is that the Linux desktop has gotten to a place in a very wide, broad capacity where stuff just works, right? We just spent a while picking through Pop! OS. We're going to go through all, you know, all, all manner of, of distributions out there. And there's some amazing ones. And like Leo, you struggle to find things. They're nitpicky things that you're just like, eh, I don't like the way the blue text is on my Debian Chrome browser, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, you, you, but you find these little things. That's an awesome point. 
when we're at that point with a Linux desktop, when our big problems used to be, I can't boot, <laughs> I can't, I can't communicate with the world. I have a laptop that doesn't talk to the internet anymore. Those were the problems we were, fa at least that I was facing when I first started. I'm very familiar. You, you type in start X and you cross your fingers <laughs> and you hope you hope you got a graphical desktop there. And, right, and then it right. wasn't in widescreen either. Yeah. In Biddle, we've talked about a couple of uh, distros lately that children are putting together. I know. Right. These young, very talented young men and women are working on these things. And we're not even running into the issues we used to run into with major distributions out there. So it just tells me that the quality that we're dealing with on the Linux desktop has risen to a really, really wonderful place to be at. We're in a good place. But I also think the quality of the laptops that you can buy have gotten so much better in the Linux realm. I mean, when you look at like the Lemur Pro and you can get, what, ridiculous numbers of battery life, 14 hours, uh, and, and some, you know, say that you can even get more than that. When you can do those kind of things, and that is because of the work from System76 that they put back into it, we are in exciting times. Yeah, it's funny. And, and there are still pain points. You know, uh, I think of some of the things Jason Evangelos talked about lately about Linux being a first class citizen, so to speak, especially when it comes to like NVIDIA and AMD drivers and, and some of the software. There's some really neat little utilities that are made for Windows that just aren't available for Linux when it comes to video cards and gaming and, and whatnot. Yeah, there's there's still mountains to climb and, and there always will be. There always will be, dude. Yeah, that that's that's not. Uh, but it's great that we can focus on those mountains now and not just will it boot. Like those yeah. those are amazing things that we can look at and yeah, we can start demanding, right? We can start saying, hey, it's not good enough that you're throwing this in the kernel or it's not good enough that we've figured out these drivers. We want it, We want to be first class citizens too, and that is uh, f again. I'll, I'll say it again. It is a fun time to be in Linux. Yeah, no Windows eight here. Mm -mm, not doing it. This is App Focus, where we focus on the app. In this episode, I want to talk to you about Bash Top. If you like to be in the terminal. This is going to be an application that you want to add to your tool chain. You are probably familiar, if you're a terminal junkie like me, with Top or HTOP. And they're just software utilities to allow you to see what your system is doing in real time. BashTop takes that 12 steps further. You want it to look nice. HTOP's got a little bit of that, but not like BashTop. You want to know what your disks are doing? Bashtop has you. You want to know what your network card is doing? Bashtop has you. You want to know the list of applications that you have running on your system? Bashtop has you there too. CPUs, individually, temperatures, got it. Everything that's going on right now on your system, Bashtop's going to tell you what, what that is. On top of that, it looks nice. No more of this text-only kind of stuff. Sure, it's ASCII art, but pretty ASCII art. I grew up in the 90s. So if you remember anything about that time, you remember there was ASCII art. So what do you guys think about Bashtop? I know I convinced each one of you to at least turn it on. So Joe, what do you think? I haven't turned it off. 
I've left this up and running. I love it. Actually, it came in handy this week. If you guys haven't noticed, my fans are so quiet on my machine now. I went into the BIOS and tweaked a bunch of settings, but I was worried that after I lowered those, the fans, the curve there, that I was going to get some heat. And so I was like, hmm, Leo said, look at bash top. So I was in bash top the whole time and I was been watching my uh, temperatures on, on all the cores. I love it. It's color. Um, I like that it's in the terminal. I can just open another uh, screen next to it and do whatever I'm doing there and then bounce right back over. But it doesn't feel like your typical terminal app. Like it just feels a little more robust and it just looks a lot nicer. So yeah, yeah, man, I'm, this is my new... It's my new hotness right here. I'm keeping it. I had mentioned uh, earlier in the show that I'm getting used to workspaces. This is how I did it. I drug Bashtop down to workspace number two, full screened it, and every time I hit the super key, I get a preview. And if I want to zoom into it, like I click on that workspace. I get down to that, and I can actually take a look at what's going on. So it's like, you know, it's just in the background all the time. Dan, what did you think? So this is the kind of bling that I can get behind right here. I, I love it. This, <laughs> this sure is great. too much for you, Dan? Nope, this is great. It's in my terminal. It's like eight colors. ASCII, yeah. I, I, can, I can handle this. This is This might fantastic. even be 16 colors. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it might be. It, it gives me all the information that I want right there at my fingertips. And I love that because that's the sort of thing that I can geek out on and, and just, just get behind. So I, I love this thing. And I'm going to install it everywhere. Nice. Rocco, we had a conversation about getting Bashtop working. And I learned something. I, I couldn't believe it. You, you don't do PPAs, at least not on your main machine here. So for years, dude, I did PPAs. And I screwed up my machine so many times, pulling PPAs out and, you know, putting some in, putting some in that didn't work, that didn't, hadn't been upgraded to the latest version of Ubuntu. So... At some point, I don't remember exactly when, but I just said, you know what? I'm done with PPAs. I'm not putting any on the machine. If it ain't somewhere where I can have it readily uh, by just installing it, then I don't need it. I don't blame you. When you first mentioned it to us, you said, well, you can you have to install the PPA. And I'm like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> but Dan saves the day. So actually, I didn't save the day. I didn't make the snap, but I found out that there is a snap and I had to mention that and then... Rocco was able to install it. Yep. So that's what I did. I installed it by the by snap. And there is two extra commands, I guess, you got to run for the snap. Yep. But it is a great program to see all of the stuff that you have on your system. And yes, HTOP does similar things to it. But this is one of those programs that just takes it a step above something like HTOP and gives you more information in a nice view, basically. So, yes, I'm going to be installing this on all of my machines now that it's a snap. Very cool. So I think, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you like to install your software. If, if you like to compile from source, this is my preferred way. I'll just, you know, git clone this thing and, and a pseudo make install. That's all you got to do. Uh, there are a couple other packages that you need if you're going to be doing it that way. Um, you need to have the sysstat package as well as the LM sensors package installed. This allows you to check out your temperatures and it allows you to uh, look at disk activity as well. So I know I'm going to stay with it. The, the historical view is a killer feature. This is something that HTOP doesn't give you. 
right? HTOP, it gives you those nice bars going back and forth and back and forth. But what happened 30 seconds ago? That is something that is really important to me uh, as far as, you know, just kind of in a logging idea. So Bashtop is going to give that to you and you can kind of adjust how fast it goes across the screen. So you can have 30 minutes, an hour of historical data to go back through if that's what you want. So I'm keeping it. Joe, you said you're keeping it. Dan, you seem like you were keeping it. Loving it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely keeping it. And Rocco, keeping it? Keeping it. So to recap, install it however you want. Install it via compilation, install it from the PPA, or install it from the Snap. Now, it looks like the Snap may need a little bit of work before you get things like temperatures in there. But as far as the PPA and compiling it yourself goes, as long as LM sensors and Sysstat is in there, it'll work. Well, that's going to wrap up our first episode of Linux User Space. And I want to take a moment and I want to thank you for listening and for your support. Joe, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jojo Fett. Leo? You can find me on Twitter as well at Leo Chavez or leochavez.org. Dan? You can find me on Twitter at KC2BEZ. And you can find me at Big Daddy Linux. Join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space.